friend, it's Chrissy here from Real Life Shh. Are you feeling stuck in your body with a lack of sexual passion? If you're in a relationship that lacks passion, if you've been holding on to shame and a secret or a sexual desire that feels heavy with shame, this episode is for you. Keep listening if you want to know how to regain your self-worth and stop letting your past define you or your secrets smother you. On this episode, I'm getting naked, literally and figuratively, as I remember my dancing days on stage. Now, before I get into the details, please know that this is probably the biggest secret I've ever had and held on to my entire life. If you know me today, you would probably never think that what I'm about to tell you could possibly be true. I'm the mom who volunteers at school. I go to church. I'm the woman who brings cookies to the neighbor's house. My husband, he also likes to be perceived as a well-put-together family man. And as risky as this story may be, I think it's important that we stop holding on to our secrets and shame and we start living our true lives in transparency while still being loved by one another. I thank you listeners ahead of time for holding space for me and my family while I dig deep into my past, my past emotional pain cycle that I'm finally ready to break. May God please help us all now as we transition from a hush-hush, judgmental, divided, cancel culture to a freeing, unconditional, loving, transparent new era that we are all here to live in together. And so it is. Okay, let's see where this ride takes us. When I was 18... My mom, she remarried to a wonderful man. Understandably, they were ready to start their new lives together without the burden of a rebellious, risky, often enough drunk and drug-curious teenage girl. Ah, Make sure to listen to episode number three to hear more about those days. So here I am. I, I moved out of my childhood home. After it sold, as my mom moved in with her new husband and his home, I crashed with a girlfriend. Okay, we'll call her Dana. Dana is a go-against-the-grain type of girl in a very small town. At the time, this was the early 2000s, late 90s. She was the only girl who was brave enough to be open about her sexuality and identified as a bisexual. Now, as I already mentioned, I too was very rebellious and definitely enjoyed going against the norm in my very small town. But I do admit, I didn't usually enjoy the backlash, and I'm sure Dana didn't either, that went along with rocking our small town boat. Recently, during this time, Dana and I discovered the new and exciting world of attending raves and experiencing ecstasy for the first time. So at this pivotal time in my young life, I had just gotten off of probation and was very confused about who I was spiritually and physically. And again, make sure you listen to that episode number three for more on this topic. 
So at that time, I also recently lost my job at an advertising agency for borrowing a car from a coworker with intention to possibly buy. <sighs> However, that intention was pretty far-fetched considering I knew I would have no help financially from my parents. And the reality was I simply couldn't afford her car. Regardless, she offered for me to take the car overnight to give it a test drive. Well, long story short, I met a boy at a rave and decided to skip work the next day. And I decided that my coworker wouldn't mind if I kept the car for a little bit longer without any warning or permission. Oh my gosh. Yikes. <laughs> Obviously, I was fired when I returned back to work, bringing us back to this story about how I ended up naked. Uh, okay, well, correction, practically naked. My friend Dana comes up with a great idea. She says, hey, I heard Wild Horses is hiring. We can make a lot of money. You see, going to raves was expensive. Again, living in a small town, these raves were usually out of town, like in Kansas City or another nearby city, which required gas money, entry money, drug money, and maybe some money to eat and hydrate too. So I say, okay, what the heck? We do our makeup and hair, and I put on my best push-up bra, nervously chain-smoking on the way to the club. I'm thinking, Am I really going to do this? But I still put on a brave face and a screwed attitude. I walk in pretending like I'm the coolest chick alive. But somehow they knew I was just self-conscious enough that this might just work. It was during the day, so no one was there other than the girls that dance, the bartenders, and the bouncer getting ready for the night shift. The interview, guys, it consisted of showing my ID to prove that I was 18, followed by looking us up and down with a spin and getting on the stage with our bra and underwear while we danced to a song of our choice. Now, this might not seem like a big deal, but it definitely was for me at the time. At that time, I'd only been with three guys, but more on that later. So there I was interviewing or trying out for a gig for me to take my clothes off in front of a house full of grown-ass men that I've never met before. And only three months after I turned 18. Yeah, according to the girl in charge, even at the young, supple age of 18, I mean, come on, I looked good at that age. I still needed to get more highlights, invest in a pair of stripper platform heels, and pull my underwear higher up on my boyish hips. She did give us some quick tips on how to climb up the pole and do some tricks where we could flip upside down all with grace and sex appeal. That was actually my favorite part of the two weeks that I spent dancing almost naked for tips. I loved picking my music to dance to and discovering new ways to move my body. The fluidity of the music and the way my body moved on stage, it felt like magic to me. I was on stage with adoring men watching my every move. I soon realized that my body was a powerful instrument that belonged to me, that I can use both for my own enjoyment and those who enjoyed the show. The humiliating part, though, of all of this was collecting money on stage after my routine. Yeah, that sucked. I remember trying to creatively 
gather the bills with a dramatic sweep of an arm with the flow of the song. But there was always like some runaway bills left on the stage that I had to like retrieve after the set. And I had to quickly, awkwardly retrieve them before the next girl came on stage. Oh, well. So it wasn't long before people in my small town found out my little secret. And soon my first love came to see if it was true. At this time, he was already married, funny enough, to another girl named Chrissy. I remember the awe in his eyes when he watched me dance. It was a look that said, I can barely fucking hold myself back from throwing you over my shoulders and making love to you in my brand new baby blue Honda Accord. Yeah, that was the car back then. When I say make love, though, I mean it. This person who I still, I still love today was watching the girl that he deflowered only five years ago. Prior to those crazy two weeks in my life, he was one out of the three that I had been with. As far as the other two, well, (laughs) one would be considered a statutory rapist today, one of my counselors that I met in a girl's group home, and the other, a Me Too guy who took advantage of a very, very drunk freshman in a hot tub, just barely coherent. But more on all three of those guys in a later episode. Hey friend, it's Chrissy here from Real Life Shh. Did you know that being healthy isn't just about eating right? Oh no. Stress, anxiety, and trauma can negatively affect your entire body with disease. But don't worry, it's not too late. I can help. Go to OurDivineTribe.com and subscribe or book a session with me. You can also connect with me at it's underscore getin, that's G-E-T-N underscore Chrissy on Instagram. So back to my 18-year-old self, dancing in a thong and pasties on stage with a pole. Yeah. There he was, telling me everything I needed to know at the time. With a spark in his eyes, I knew I knew we would be together again. It was like a bolt of lightning was connecting us. Surges of lust between our bodies collided as we drew closer together energetically. And again, this counter, this encounter with my first love watching me dance confirmed my power, the power my body had over these men. It amazed me. It empowered me in a whole new way I never felt before. Never. I also learned quickly that that my breasts, which were much smaller at the time, were loved. And I was self-conscious about that at the time. It was the first time I felt really good uh, about my body. The way it can move and it moved others. So after reigniting the spark between myself and my first love... Things changed quickly. As I mentioned before, news traveled fast throughout my small town, and I quickly started to feel the shame of what I was doing, both before my love came to see what the fuss was all about and very much so afterwards. Some girls that I knew who had heard about where I was working were genuinely curious about my recent endeavors and asked questions about how much money I made per night compared to their nightly shift working at Hooters. 
As they considered joining the Wild Horse Girls, I politely gifted them with the gift of seeing a glimpse into my spirit, which at the time felt like it was on the verge of breaking from letting the majority of others' opinions of me being a a dirty little slut or whore. Which, by the way, I might add, I myself proved that not all exotic dancers have sex for money. I've never ever had any sexual physical contact with any of the men who watched me dance in exchange for money. And as far as I know, neither did my friend Dana. So that's done. Okay. Rumors squashed. So, okay. My first love, my first love and I moved in with each other almost immediately after the night he came to see me at the club. Oh yeah. I know what you must all be thinking, but he's married you homewrecker. (laughs) However, My love married the other Chrissy while he was enlisted in the Navy for insurance and benefit purposes only. It was a business agreement and really no more than that. So I think it was only two shifts after we moved in with each other that I came home on a Wednesday night, barely making $250. And he said, what the fuck is the point of working there? I'll never forget the look in his eyes at that moment either. It said to me, disappointment, maybe even rejection. And I thought to myself, have I already lost my sex appeal only two weeks later? Am I not worthy of more than $250? It killed me inside. So um, I decided he was right. Why am I doing this? I thought to myself. The whole point was to make a lot of money in order to go to in order to go to raves, you guys. <laughs> so he wasn't into raves. And I was by that moment no longer chasing that exciting ecstasy high I felt at raves. What I was looking for at the time was I was looking for that exciting young love and lust high that I could only get from him. So the next night, I went back to the club. I sold my iconic stripper platform heels and a few outfits that I bought from another dancer. I sold my stripper gear to the other girls that were in the dressing room getting ready for another exciting night of thrill and arousal and sexual tease that brought so many of us both to the stage and to the show. While I was there, though, I wondered to myself, why did the excitement die so fast for me? Was it because I crossed my addiction from the thrill of dancing almost nude on stage and while on drugs half the time over to the addiction of young love, to the possibility that someone might actually unconditionally love me? I almost immediately fell so hard again in love that I wanted to do everything and anything to keep that feeling of security of being loved, really loved by another. So I did what I thought I needed to, to keep being loved. And I did everything the girl next door would do. That same week, I got a job working at a high-end department store. Funny enough, they thought I would be a good fit in the men's department. So that's where I worked until I was promoted to the perfume and cosmetic departments. Um, Again, very girl next door. 
I also enrolled in the community college and soon I really found my groove, making decent money with benefits and earning pretty good grades. So while I played house with my first true love at the tender age of 18, my very recent past started to haunt me. And even though my first love accepted me and my actions and still loved me, to which this day I am so ever and ever grateful for. The talk of the small town, though, started to get to him, and therefore I let it get to me. He became jealous and paranoid as well as shameful when other girls would talk about me in my pole dancing days. So I quickly became super shameful and paranoid that everyone would someday find out and I would never be loved and always be what people thought of me and and nothing more. That's it. My past very rapidly became my 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 dirty little secret that even those who know me and knew that I had two weeks of sexual teasing and power on stage, they never spoke of it again, ever. So for 22 years, I've let this experience bury me in shame, unworthiness, and a paralyzing fear that I had to make myself very small. It was like a virus, a virus-like idea that I was, I was less than. Just so you know, this will be the first time my husband hears of this story. I've thought for a long time that I might take the secret to my deathbed, only revealing it to him then. So he wouldn't have a chance to reject me because the idea, you know, the idea of rejecting someone who dies or who's on their deathbed is unacceptable, right? But I'm done. I'm done feeling conditionally loved. Like I'm only worthy if I do say and wear certain things or if I don't do or don't say or I don't wear certain things. My hope is to inspire you listeners to live freely in your own skin and be brave enough to reveal yourself fully to your loved ones and the world so that we may in return love you unconditionally. So, no more. No more will I let my divine sexuality be small. No more will I let others dictate who I am who I was or who I will be. No more will I let my past define me. Mm -mm. No more secrets. No more shame. I'm done. This beautiful story of my life, which is no longer a dirty little secret, has taught me and reminded me that I am powerful. I am a powerful sexual goddess who deserves to be free. And so do you. It has reminded me of my wild side, whose 
begging to be released from her cage again. She's begging to be celebrated and loved. This story has reminded me of my love of dance and when I really started to explore that love of dance. Will I ever return to a stage with a pole for money? I mean, probably not. But I can tell you right now that the exchange that I am receiving right now from sharing this truth is limitless. I am giving over this old shame, guilt, and what I thought was regret for a long time over to the divine, to the universe, and they, in return, they are paying me with the knowing, the knowing that I am forever loved and accepted for exactly who I was, am, and will be designed to be. The moral of this story, my friends, is that Even this church lady, volunteering mom with a picture-perfect family, has passed. And who am I or any of us to judge or shame anyone for their past or even their current storyline? We all have our own personal journey and path. That is why we came here on this earth to live, to make mistakes and choices and to learn and to grow from them. So I encourage you, I encourage you pathfinders, you trailblazers, to let your younger self be free. Is there a secret you've been holding on to? Are you ready? Are you ready to free yourself and embrace every inch of yourself and know And know that you are loved. You are loved and supported regardless of what you did, didn't do, what you do or don't do now. Let it out. Let it go. Free yourself. Make space. Make space within so that you may have more room for peace, for joy, for joy for love and the light, the light that indeed shines within us all. And so it is. 